Many of you are uh, familiar, I imagine, with the uh, name Robert Louis Stevenson, uh, Scottish uh, author, novelist, poet, most famous for a couple books, um, Treasure Island, and, uh, and also uh, The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Robert Louis Stevenson, Treasure Island, and uh, Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Perhaps you don't know this about Robert Louis Stevenson, however, and that is, that is this. He lived from 1850 to 1894, died at the age of 44 years old. When he was a young man in his 30s, he suffered greatly from hemorrhaging lungs. Probably uh, uh, indicative of an undiagnosed case of tuberculosis. And Robert Louis Stevenson, one of his writing was really one of the only activities that he could do confined to his bed. Robert Louis Stevenson would oftentimes look out his uh, uh, bedroom window and just stare out into the street. And, and one night as he's staring out into the street, he sees the town lamplighter coming along. Now, this was in the days of the 1880s, and so it was, it was well before electric lights and timers were, were really a, a regular thing. And uh, so as he watches this town lamplighter lighting uh, the lamps uh, along the street in succession, uh, Robert Louis Stevenson is inspired and motivated by the sight. That night, he writes in his journal about the lamplighter walking along the street, punching holes in the darkness. That's an interesting picture and an interesting description of the role of the lamplighter, punching holes in the darkness. That's actually an amazing picture and, and, and the true description of the role and purpose of the church. Our role and purpose is to punch holes in the darkness. Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, Jesus said. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Today we conclude segment eight of our 2020 Grand Sweep series, The Early Church. And we, um, during this segment, have been looking for three weeks at the book of Acts. And in this three-week look at the book of Acts, it's actually the full name of of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles. I like to see it as the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. And during this series, I've been asking you the question, what does this book, the book of Acts, have to say to us today as followers of Jesus? And what does this book, uh, describing the church in the first century, say to the church today of the 21st century. 
And I've summarized it to three words. Courage, love, and light. And I've summarized it to three statements. Let's live courageously. As I talked about two weeks ago. Let's love one another and our community and all people. And let's be the light and, and live the light and share the light with the world. And so today we come to the last segment of our Courage, Love, Light three-week series uh, on the book of Acts. And I've been connecting these three weeks with our previous four weeks and the seven weeks of our There is Hope campaign. And today we conclude focusing on light. We live in a dark world. Many people are filled with despair, anxiety, fear, and concern. The election that we prayed about just a few minutes ago is two days away. The COVID-19 pandemic is going on eight months and who knows how much longer. Loss of life. Loss of jobs. Loss of social and relational connections. Loss of the opportunity to be learning in the classroom. And, and, and participating in extracurricular activities. Lots of loss people are experiencing. And the difficult and challenging time of the political and social and racial strife. Now I connect with people regularly who are doing fine. Who are managing okay. And hanging in there. And I also talk to people regularly who are not doing fine. Not managing okay and having a hard time hanging in there. But people who are, are suffering and struggling and sad, people who are hurting and discouraged and depressed and tired of it all. And I'm sure that we would all agree because whether what, what category you find yourself in today or what category you find yourself in tomorrow, what, what of those two categories, or maybe on those two spectrums, maybe you find yourself somewhere in between today or depending on the day where you are at, but we would all agree, I think, that we are living in uncertain, unsettled, and unprecedented times. I am convinced more than ever over the last seven weeks as we've looked again at the mission of Jesus that we discover in the Gospels, the mission of Jesus, the teaching and healing and hope-giving, life-giving mission of Jesus, and that mission of Jesus that continued as the Holy Spirit formed the, the early church, I am convinced now more than ever that our only hope is the church. The only hope is the body of Jesus, the body of Christ in the world today, pointing people to Jesus, the hope of the world. Because, you know, in and of ourselves, our fallen, broken, sinful nature, we divide, diminish, and destroy one another. And we miss God's vision for the world. But because of Jesus, because of the mission of Jesus and the ongoing mission of Jesus through his body, the body of Christ, the church at world in today, we can say there is hope. 
And there is strength. And there is healing. And there is peace. And there is courage. And there is love. And as we look at today, we, we, we can say there is light. And so church, let's lift high the banner of hope. And let's live courageously. Let's be a profile in courage like we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Living filled with purpose and passion and the power of the Holy Spirit. And let's, as we talked about a week ago, let's love one another and love our community and love the world and love it like, the, like they did in the early church where they tangibly expressed their love through sacrificial giving and sharing. They, they, they expressed their love through unity and oneness. They expressed their love by being grounded and founded in the truth. And they expressed their love not just by keeping it to themselves and a kumbaya for one another, but they passed it on and let's be the light and live in the light and share the light with others so today as we conclude 2020 Grand Sweep Series segment 8 we, we will look at and, and by the way three weeks you know I, I uh, hope the Lord has mercy on, some, on me someday that I spent three weeks in the book of Acts you could probably spend three months or three years in the book of Acts there's so much there that inspires and that compels uh, but we took three weeks because it's the sweep right and we're going to spend uh, um, our time today focusing on the main figure who was punching holes in the darkness in the first century his name is Paul. The main figure who was lighting the first century world. As I mentioned uh, last week, uh, it was, he was Saul, a Jew, who was passionately driven to extinguish the church. And, and Saul shifted from passionately trying to destroy the church to passionately expanding the church into uh, Gentile territory beyond Jerusalem, beyond Judea, beyond Galilee, into Asia Minor and beyond. Actually, no person apart from Jesus uh, shaped the history and the spread and the acceleration of the Christian faith more than the Apostle Paul. Little background. The book of Acts uh, has 28 chapters. And Peter is the central figure in Acts chapters 1 through 12. Paul is the central figure in Acts chapter 13 through 28. Peter, uh, Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church. And Peter was focused uh, in Jerusalem and Judea and the Galilean area. And that's where Peter was focused on, on speaking the message of the Messiah, the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies to the Jews. And the church exploded there. And then Paul came along in Acts 13 through 28. For those of you that have an outline, Peter took the gospel to the Jewish world. Paul took the gospel to the Gentile world. And here, here's a map up on the screen. You can see it here. You can see it at home. Maybe you can't see all the details of it from where you're sitting or where you're viewing. If, if you're interested, I invite you to read in the book of Acts, to look at some Bible maps in, in a Bible, or to Google Bible maps. So what this does, those maps, is just give you kind of a perspective of where P Paul was punching holes in the darkness in the first century. I mean, he traveled a lot. 
more than the average Joe. He traveled a lot in Asia Minor, which is today Turkey and Greece, and then he went on his final trip to Rome, and he had a heart for going even farther west than that. Uh, so that gives you an impression of Paul punching holes in the darkness, spreading the light of Christ, the life-changing gospel message of salvation for all people found in Christ. Paul is considered the greatest missionary, church planner, and evangelist in the 2,000-year history of the church. The greatest missionary, church planner, and evangelist in the 2,000-year history of the church. And Paul wrote 13 of the 27. That's just under half of the books of the New Testament. 13 of the 27 books. He really wrote them as letters to the churches and letters to individuals in the church. And next week, we'll start in segment nine of our 2020 Grand Sweep series with the letters to the churches and letters to individuals in those churches, some that Paul was mentoring, like Timothy. So we'll we'll take three weeks to look at the letters of Paul, three weeks to look at other letters of the New Testament written by others. Then after that, six weeks, we'll move to the book of Revelation and we'll wrap up the Grand Sweep series for 2020 and celebrate Christmas. So that's kind of where we're going in the next two months. Well, today in in our... um, time, and there's a lot that could be said about Paul. I mean, there have been books and books and books written about Paul, and college classes and seminary classes taught about Paul. I'm looking forward to digging into this book that Scott Anderson of our church gave me called Paul, a biography written by one of the most uh, prolific scholars and authors uh, of New Testament today, N.T. Wright. Thanks, Scott. For that book, sorry, I haven't gotten into it yet, but I look forward to that. And so maybe you've read beyond uh, the book of Acts about the life and times of Paul. Um, and so I'd like to just take the, our time remaining and, and reference and highlight one particular passage that kind of is representative of how Paul was a light to, in the first century and how Paul shared the light of Christ in a dark time of the first century. And uh, this passage is not so much about Paul as a preacher, a missionary, an evangelist, not so much about Paul as a great, uh, uh, um, you know, apostle or missionary, but it's really this passage is about Paul as a witness, as an everyday witness to Christ in a dark time, in a dark place. And we will discover in this passage how we can be a witness for Christ, a light for Christ, punch holes in the darkness, in our dark time as well. Let's take a look. Acts chapter 16, Paul's on a second missionary journey. He comes to Philippi. He meets in Philippi, as Miss Heather was saying in our children's message today, comes to Philippi, and a woman there who's possessed by an evil spirit is harassing Paul. And this woman who is possessed by an evil spirit is making a lot of money by her fortune-telling for her owners. And so she keeps harassing Paul. We'll pick up Acts chapter 16, verse 18. She kept this up, this harassment of Paul, for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit in her, he knew there was an evil spirit in her. He was annoyed by this evil spirit, and he said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. 
And at that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. So, so do, you, do you get the picture of what is happening here? The, the owners of this slave girl uh, saw that their, their money, their source of income was taken away from them because the evil spirit that allowed her to be a fortune teller was gone. So they, have, they cause an uproar and a stink and they have Paul and Silas thrown into jail. The, Paul and Silas are beaten and flogged and thrown into jail, the inner cell of the jail, in the dark dungeon. And they're probably, you know, their feet are in stocks, and they're probably wondering, is this it? I mean, we're, we're, we are exhausted, we're hurting, we're in pain. Is this it? Are we going to even be alive tomorrow? What happens next? Verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Are you kidding me? It's midnight. They can't go to sleep, right? They've been beaten and bruised and persecuted and they're exhausted and tired. But what are they doing? They're singing. They're praying and singing. They're rejoicing in spite of their circumstances, in spite of their situation. And everybody is listening to these guys, wondering what in the world is going on. What happens next? Verse 34. I mean, I'm sorry, verse 26. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open. And everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. His life was on the line if he let his prisoners escape. That's why they told him to watch these two guys carefully. So he's about ready to kill himself because he knows his life is over anyway because of the prison break. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. No, we are here. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your whole family, your whole household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. 
And the jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. <laughs> That's amazing. The jailer is shocked, right? The jailer is shocked, number one. The jailer is shocked as all the other prisoners were shocked because Paul and Silas were, in spite of their circumstance, in spite of the uncertainty about their tomorrow, are rejoicing. They're praising God. They're singing and worshiping in that dark dungeon of the, prail, of the jail cell. The jailer is just kind of troubled and wondering about what that's about. And then he's shocked because instead of Paul and Silas just getting out of Dodge and leaving the jail free, no, they stay behind. And they say, don't, don't kill yourself. We're all here. And the, and the jailer is just so shocked by this that he says to himself, these guys got something going on for them that I would sure like. Tell me about this Jesus. Who is this Jesus? What must I do to be saved? And Paul tells them, just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll be saved. You and your family. And in that moment, he did that. He put his faith and trust in Jesus. He was saved, and he and his whole household were baptized. Just because of the faith, God working through Paul and Silas, giving them this faith in spite of their circumstances, this, this uh, trust in God, even if they didn't know they were going to live the next day, they were punching holes in the darkness of that dark prison cell and the darkness of that jailer's heart by being a light to Christ in a dark time. So let me just ask you, what's, what's the takeaway? What's the application? Are you ready? Are you ready for the takeaway? Are you ready for the application? Our best witness happens not when things are going good, but when things are not going good. Our best witness happens not when things are going good, but when things are not going good. Others watch us as followers of Jesus in our times of adversity and difficulty and pain and sorrow and sadness and stress. Others watch us as followers of Jesus. I mean, anybody can be happy. Anybody can feel good and be joyful when things are going good. But our best witness happens in dark times. Your best witness, your best opportunity to share your faith, to communicate what Jesus means to you, comes in the dark times, the adverse circumstances, the dark times of life. Now, now, now hold on. Please hold on. I don't mean to say, because I, I don't mean to say that we don't agonize or feel the hurt and the pain. It doesn't mean that we don't get touched by grief, loss, brokenness, sadness, suffering. It doesn't mean that we don't get touched by that. Does it doesn't mean that we don't struggle with the consequences of the COVID-19 pandemic. It doesn't mean that we don't struggle trying to learn virtually or trying to deal with our kids who are trying to learn virtually. It doesn't mean that we don't struggle with that. It doesn't mean that we don't feel the stress and strain of relationships and, and at work or with, with, our, with our family, with our kids or our spouse. It doesn't mean that we're not 
affected by that. We, we, don't, we are impacted by difficult circumstances. We are impacted by that. We don't deny that. And we don't glibly just answer, everything is fine. But we continue to pray and sing and worship God just like Paul and Silas did in that dark dungeon. We continue to have hope and trust and we keep our eyes on Jesus and we affirm that God is good and God is sovereign and God promises to be with us. That's our witness. That's our testimony. That's being light in the midst of darkness. The dark dungeon of a jail cell was Paul's best opportunity to shine the light of Christ the brightest. And how about you? Are you singing today? Others are watching. Others are listening. What do they see? What do they hear? Do they see your faith? Do they see your trust in Christ in spite of whatever you may be going through? You know, when we say, yeah, this pandemic stinks. Life is difficult. And yeah, I am feeling anxious and worried about the election and the days after the election. And it's difficult. I'm in a difficult spot with my job or my finances or my health. But Jesus is my anchor, my rock, and my hope. And so I'm going to keep singing and worshiping and rejoicing and see what God does. Because our best opportunity you know, you know, our opportunity to, to witness and communicate our faith is in the good times, for sure, but our best opportunity is in the bad times, in the dark times. So that's one way, one, way, one takeaway from, uh, from, this, uh, from Paul in this Acts chapter 16, that we can punch holes in the darkness. Uh, the second takeaway that we, we light our world or punch holes in the darkness is through our words and our deeds, through our words and deeds. Now, on Tuesday... Uh, each week I have a little segment on our Asbury Facebook Live. I do a little segment called Tune Up Tuesday. And it's at 12.15 every Tuesday. It's just a five-minute segment to kind of tune up our week. And Tune Up Tuesday, I call it. And this past Tuesday, I said that sometimes our words need to tune up. Sometimes we have to watch our words because our words can be downers. And we need to speak words of encouragement. And so when you encounter someone uh, who is discouraged when, or, or if you know of someone who's going through a difficult time or is discouraged or anxious or worried, why not bring them some words of encouragement? Here's the impact of words of encouragement. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 24 says this. Gracious words, the New American Standard Version has, says pleasant words. 
I like that. Pleasant words, gracious words are a honeycomb. Sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Your words can bring healing. Sweetness to others. Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word, just one kind word, cheers it up. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, let no... uh, uh, unwholesome, let, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, no harmful words, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Speak grace, blessing, encouragement. And then, and then lastly, Colossians 4, one through, uh, 4, verse 6, let your conversation always be full of grace. Seasoned with salt. Conversation always full of grace. Seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. So, so speak words of encouragement this week. Or if it's not personal face-to-face because we're limited there, write a text, write an email, send some words of encouragement to somebody who is discouraged or just needing a pick-me-up. Be a light, the light of Christ to them. Words of truth, not only words of encouragement, but words of truth. What kind of words come out of your mouth? Are they words of gossip? Or innuendo? Or spreading rumors? Or backbiting? Or judgment? Or are they words of truth? Are they truthful words? People need to know we are truthful because people need to know we can be trusted. And people will know we can be trusted if our words are truthful. Speak truthful words. And also speak words of peace. Oh, 1 Corinthians 13.6 is about on the words of truth. 1 Corinthians 13.6 says, Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love rejoices with the truth. And then words of peace. When somebody's argumentative, combative, yelling at you, don't just respond in kind and yell back or be argumentative or combative back. Don't just respond in kind. The more you combat back, the more they combat, and it just goes back and forth. But instead, as it says in Proverbs 15, verse 1, this could be your wise word of the day, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle answer turns away wrath. So words of encouragement and words of truth and words of peace and then lastly, words of hope. As we've already said, people are looking for, longing for hope. People are desperate for hope. So why not uh, encourage them and give them some words of hope? What is one way that you can give words of hope to somebody? You can tell them you're praying for them. You're taking their concerns and their problems and you're directing them to God. And you could even, if Pray with them, not just tell them you're praying for them, but pray with them over the phone or send a text or an email again with a one or two sentence prayer. Just a one or two sentence prayer. These are, th- this is what I'm praying for you today. And, and be a blessing to them. Give them hope through Christ. So what are we talking about today? We're talking about light. The key word is Light. And we're talking about being the light, living the light, sharing the light with others. We're talking about punching holes in the darkness. And how do we punch holes in the darkness? We punch holes in the darkness through our times of difficulty and discouragement when we're in a dark dungeon by, by communicating that Christ is our anchor. He's our rock. And, and uh, 
I'm trusting in him. And we communicate a light, share light through our words, our words of encouragement and words of truth, words of hope, words of peace. And then lastly, we, we communicate uh, and share the light through, through our deeds, through our deeds. And stay with me here. You good here? You good online? Uh, through our deeds, Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others. He's talking about light. So that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Here's why I bring this up. Your good deeds will cause others to glorify God because people don't need to know just what we believe. They need to, to see it. They, they need to see it in action. Jesus himself said our good deeds will point people to God the Father. Here's why I say it. Ryan Meixner, who is uh, our, uh, on our, on his, his wife Laura and boys Hudson and Harrison are part of our church. And Ryan is the human resource director at InterVarsity, national and international organizations making an impact in the world. And Ryan was talking to me uh, this week, actually talked to me last Sunday, and uh, then he sent me some stats. The Barna Group did some interesting research on Gen Z. Gen Z, the largest American generation, those born between 1999 and 2015. Okay, that 16-year period. And he said the survey shows, and I'm assuming the survey was primarily between people, kids like 12 to 20, or 12 to 21, right, in that range, right? Gen Z. 59% said the church is not relevant to me personally. 59%. Got our work cut out for us. The other uh, survey that, that Ryan sent me was on millennials, 18 to 35-year-olds. And this is what the survey said. Religion is important to society? 53%. Only about half of the millennials say religion is important. 23% are neutral. Say religion is that kind of neutral. I don't, I don't know. Maybe yes, maybe no. And religion is a detriment to society. A staggering 24% said religion is a detriment to society. Religion is good for people. 57% of the millennials said religion is good for people. Neutral, 21%. Religion is bad for people. 21%, a staggering 21%. So if you put neutral and bad together, you got 42% of the population of millennials say that religion is kind of neutral or bad for people. So that's why it's, Good deeds are so important. It's not just what we say, it's what we do. I know that the gospel is good for people. 21% is bad for people. I know it's good for people, but not everybody sees that. Because here's the thing. The question today is not so much is Christianity true as is Christianity good. Not just is Christianity true, but is Christianity good? And a lot of people, millennials and Gen Zers on down, say no. They don't see the good. We know it's good, but they don't see that. So that's why good deeds are so critical. Tim Keller, uh, an author and pastor, says one of the most powerful ways to show people the truth of Christianity is to serve the common good. Stay with me, please. Serve the common good. 
And so it's our actions, it's our deeds, it's not just enough to say it, but to do it. People don't know how much, people don't care how much you know about the Bible, God, the church, until they know how much you care. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So that's why deeds will help light our world. And that's why we're a church committed to serving the common good in our community and world. Deeds of compassion. Uh, uh, just just um, as we conclude, like we talked about last week, those deeds of compassion, sharing and giving and serving the needs of those that uh, don't have as much as we have. He, Romans fifteen twelve. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us. Asking ourselves, how can I help? That's what we're talking about here. Deeds of compassion. We're also talking about deeds of mercy. We can light our world through deeds of mercy. Micah 6, 8, what does the Lord require of you but to act justly, to love mercy. Love mercy and walk humbly with your God. I mean, what shows, what draws a person that doesn't know the Lord to him more? Judgment or mercy? You know, trying to get even or to show mercy. And then lastly, deeds of selflessness. Deeds of selflessness. The Bible calls us to prefer one another, uh, to honor one another. Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Think about that this week. Honor one another above yourselves. So I'll just summarize and wrap wrap it all up this way. If there's darkness around us, if there's darkness in our world, and we know there is, just sitting around and talking about it and complaining about it and wringing our hands over it doesn't do anything about it. Doesn't do anything about it. The only way to get rid of the darkness, the only way to dispel the darkness is to turn on the light. To punch holes in the darkness. And the way we turn on the light, the way we punch holes in the darkness, how? Is through our dark time. To anchoring our faith in Jesus, in singing and worshiping and and acknowledging God's sovereignty and keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus in the midst of our dark time, then we can be a witness to others in a marvelous way, just like Paul and Silas were to the jailer and all the other prisoners. And we turn on the light and we dispel the darkness through our words and our deeds, our words of encouragement and truth, our words of peace and our words of hope and our deeds of compassion and mercy and selflessness. (laughs) so so church that's that's our charge we we see that all throughout the book of acts so let's live courageously let's love one another and let's light our world we are writing the next chapter of the book of acts We are the church today. Writing the next chapter, what will the chapter say? Let's live, believe, and proclaim. There is hope. There is strength. There is healing. There is peace. There is courage. There is love. And there is light. 
Amen. Our series is over, but the best is yet to come. To remember this series and to remember where hope is found and to remind you to share hope. I'd like to give you a little stone with the word hope on it. You'll find them out in the lobby as you leave on tables. Just pick one up. Keep it close. To remember the series, but, but more importantly, to remember the series. <laughs> remember, remember who our source of hope is and to remember to hold on to hope and to remember to share the hope with others. So pick one up. For those of you that are watching online, hey, I'd like you to, to swing by tonight. We'll be open tonight. we got some activities from 6 to 8. Just come in the back door of the church, the back kitchen door of the church there, and we'll have some of these stones with hope on it out there. You can also come this week between Wednesday and Friday and uh, pick up one of these hope stones. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you're a hope-giving God. We thank you that you sent your son Jesus to be our anchor and to be our rock, and to be our hope. And so we bless you and praise you, and we pray that you would fill us with your light, and then help us to share your light with others. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.